Welcome to another installment of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast. I am one of your four co-hosts, Tom Hunyadi, and hopefully you know me from my other show, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. On tonight's show, we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the release of Live in Japan, George Harrison, the 1992 double. There you go. Ken's got it as well. I should That's have pulled the, out my vinyl at my original yeah. That's the uh, the ninety. This is the ninety two release because when it came in the uh, best, I think at the best of Dark Horse, it was kind of like in the the single uh, CD um, case. But uh, nonetheless, uh, uh, tonight joining me as always is my three uh, Beetle buddies that I get to do this wonderful show with, or hopefully it's a wonderful show. Hopefully you think it's a wonderful show. But, uh, <laughs> not it trying always to, is. Uh, toot our own horn here, but. Uh, <laughs> But uh, first, let me introduce to you, as we all know her as the queen of now everything. It's no longer Beatles media or red lipstick or backgrounds. It is literally the queen of everything. And you may know her from her books, one being songs we were singing. There you go. If you haven't seen the cover yet, if you're new, this is the book. You can go to Amazon. You can buy it there. If you're going to be at the fest for a Beatles fan here next weekend, maybe she'll have a couple copies. You can get it right here, but that's one of her books right there. And she's also known for a co-editor uh, of the book fandom and the Beatles that she did with our good buddy, Ken Womack, who's what working on this new two part uh, series on Mel Evans that we're all just jonesing to get our hands on. And, and uh, Kit, you, you uh, interviewed him and, and Ken, you've got, you've interviewed him about these, about the, about the set. And I'm sure he's going to be talking about uh, that as well at the Fest for Beatle fans next week. And I know we're all looking forward to that. Uh, joining me as well is the, uh, the wonderful YouTuber, the man who's been doing this for, for many, many years now and has uh, a wonderful following. And he does videos ranging from rants to vinyl finds to, uh, to comedy to uh, reviews. And uh, it's just a wonderful channel. And, and Beatles stuff. And Beatles stuff. That's <laughs> right. That's right. And he is a mean Mr. Mayo, a.k.a. Joe Mayo. Joe, it's always good to see you. How are you, my friend? Hi, Tom. Thank you very much. Hello uh, to my two other co-hosts. Yes, absolutely. And definitely last but not least, he uh, is um, the 
DJ extraordinaire. He's been uh, DJing for for what forty years now. Have you, is it reached? Is it officially forty now, Ken? It's it's a pass. We just passed it not too long ago, right? Yeah, it's about yeah. forty and a half years. Forty years. He's been doing his show, Every Little Thing, which again, he that's exactly what it is. He plays every little thing from from Beatles to solo Beatles to uh beetle kids uh it could be anything related to the beetles and it's such a wonderful show and you'll learn a lot a lot of stuff from if you listen to that show as well has this uh other uh wonderful podcast things we say today things we said today with alan cozen and darren devivo <laughs> sorry um uh he's been doing that for for what 10 years now too um so yeah yeah, yeah wow. exactly yeah a lot so, of anniversaries a lot of anniversaries <laughs> And uh, um, his new YouTube channel, which is doing extraordinary things, some wonderful interviews on there. And um, yeah, again, a wealth of knowledge on there. You will learn a lot when you watch these videos. And that's uh, Ken Michaels Radio uh, YouTube channel. And he is Ken Michaels. Hello, Ken. Hey, Tom. Hey, Joe. Hey, Kit. I think you'll all agree with me. My last video was one of my best. Yes. I, I would have to say. <laughs> yeah, I would say that so. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> it was a good one. It was a good one. Before we uh, turn it over to um, to Ken for for the news, I just want to um, uh, take a couple minutes here and talk about a few things. And you know, I've been doing this uh, podcasting stuff for since 2016. Uh, Joe's been doing this for 10 years. Kit, you've been doing it for a while and meeting people at the fest. And Ken, you've been you know. 40 years, you know, and, and the great thing about doing these and the, and the live streams and the videos is, is the people that you meet. And uh, we meet a lot of good ones. <laughs> mm -hmm. Shitty thing about this is, uh, you know, death is batting a thousand, unfortunately. And unfortunately, we lose friends. And uh, we lost one uh, last weekend. And um, his name is Kevin Reed. A lot of people knew him as Beans, and uh, we just want to dedicate this show to him. And, <laughs> and today was not a good day. <laughs> um, we'll talk a little bit more about her uh, in the news and um, dedicate this to Olivia as well. So, Ken, take it away. Okay. So a lot of things that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Some of it may seem old at this point because <laughs> there's a lot of news. Right. We'll start, first of all, with the news, of course, about Ringo's new EP, which will be called EP3. It's due out September the 16th with four new tracks. The first song that was released now on YouTube is called World Go Round, hmm. and it was written by the songwriting team of Steve Lukather and Joe Williams. Steve, of course, has been in Ringo's All-Star Band for quite a while and also has appeared on a number of his solo releases, uh, co-writing several songs. And both Steve and Joe are members, of course, of the band Toto. Other songs that the pair wrote for Ringo include Let's Change the World from Ringo's last EP, Change the World, and the song not enough love in the world which we all know joe's version of because he sings it so magnificently uh on, on our show um and that was from ringo's first ep zoom in and lukather plays guitar on the new song i said uh called world go round joe williams is on keyboards and it also has a familiar female background singer zelma davis 
helping out on the track. And uh, the next song is called Everyone and Everything, and it's returning to, um, returning to another one of Ringo's EPs is Linda Perry, former lead singer and songwriter in Four Non-Blondes. Perry wrote the song Coming Undone on the Change the World EP. Her new song has a classic Ringo sound with Perry on guitar and percussion. The next song is the upbeat tune Let's Be Friends, which Ringo co-wrote with his longtime co-producer and songwriter Bruce Sugar and Sam Hollander, who also co-wrote the joyous song Teach Me to Tango on uh, Zoom In, one of Kit's favorites. Well, yeah, one of my favorites. Love that song. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> and the last of the four songs is called Free Your Soul, written by Ringo and Bruce Sugar, described as soothing and rhythmic with guest appearances by Dave Coz on tenor sax and Jose Antonio Rodriguez on nylon guitar. It also has Sugar on keyboards and Nathan East on bass. We'll be mentioning Nathan East later on in the show. Uh, the new EP will first be made available on CD and digitally on September 16th, then on 10-inch vinyl and on limited edition translucent royal blue cassette on November the 18th. And Ringo was quoted as saying, I am in my studio writing and recording every chance I get. It's what I have always done and will continue to do and releasing EPs more frequently allows me to continue to be creative and give each song a little more love. There you go. I know you've all heard the song. I know a few of you have commented on it. <laughs> Would you like to comment on this show? <laughs> Make it official. Um, you want to start? Um, I'll be honest with you. I listened to it once. And I'm not going to listen to it again until I get it. And I will save my judgment for then. Very good answer. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I too have only listened to it once. Um, and, and right now, with, with the caveat that I may change my mind, you know, because as I said, I've only listened to it once. Um, that, yeah, so far I would say, okay um you know i certainly didn't dislike it it just didn't really you know didn't really excite me very much i mean it seemed like it touched on a lot of themes he's touched on before but maybe in the context of the ep that's coming out maybe i will you know change my mind so at this point i'm saying you know but uh but we we shall see and of course we will be covering the ep this when it comes out Sure. Okay. Sure. Well, Let's I, I want to echo those words. Basically, I I heard it twice. Uh, Ken was almost trying to maybe say, "Oh, don't say it, Joe." <laughs> but no, seriously. Uh, I just, uh, you know, to me, it's just okay. I mean, it's not bad. I didn't dislike it. Didn't think it was terrible or anything. I just feel like it seems very same old, same old to me, as somebody who's been following all Ringo's stuff and enjoying his stuff from for a while from give more love more love to what's my name to the first zoom in ep and then the second one changed the world not quite as much but i just thought it, it sounded samey the same yeah. kind of thing mm -hmm. i've heard before okay well that, that's fair of you to say i've listened to it many times i do like the song a lot but i understand the criticism being made of you know so much of the peace and love and togetherness and that whole theme. Of course, we could use more songs like that from many artists these days. We need a positive message and Ringo doesn't seem to mind repeating that. 
of course, this is uh, not written by Ringo. It was by Steve Lukather and Joe Williams. But um, I do love the energy on that particular song. I love Steve Lukather's guitar playing. And I think the chorus is very, very catchy. But I understand what you're saying about it being repetitive. So we'll see with the other three songs what we have to say. Well, there's a comment here I just have to say from someone, Dave Pounds, who's, who comments on my videos quite often. Come on, guys. If it's crap, call it crap. Dave, you're what I call a tightrope walker. <laughs> and I got to say, I, if it's crap, I'll damn well tell you it's crap. Yeah. Trust me on that. About right. it, but because I'm doing a show here with my friends, I'll be a little more diplomatic about it. But uh, I'll tell yeah. the truth. Yeah, I mean, I'm not call. I'm not ready to call it crap. I mean, no, I I didn't not. hate it. I I mean, no, it's I wouldn't go that far. I mean, I just at that's when I'm saying, you know, to me, it's it's average. You know, I would say, but but no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it crap. I mean, I wouldn't say it's yeah. like, oh, I'd never listen to it again. It's horrible. Mm. Uh, but but I'm just, um, you know, it just as I said, it just is a little samey as as Joe said to me. But you know, I want to wait uh, as Tom said until. You know, we hear the whole EP and, and let's see how it sounds uh, in comparison to the rest of the songs and we'll see what happens. Yeah, you know, um, there are times when I'm not saying that I like the song just to please anybody or to please Ringo. I just really say how I honestly feel. Mm -hmm. And um, the tough thing about music for me is that your, your feelings can change over time. And even with something as recent as Let's Change the World which I wasn't that impressed with the first time I heard it. Now I love the song. <laughs> so yeah. it's tough to, to judge something. I don't really, I'm not in favor of judging quickly or after just one or two listens. It takes a while before a song can, you know, settle in with you. Right. Really judge the song well. But I understand what you're all saying about the similarities of what Ringo's been doing. And another thing too, the... Uh, to to uh, build on that, Ken is if we don't like it, we, that doesn't mean we have to. Why why do we? Will, will it give us more street cat cred if it, if we say it's crap? You know, I mean, no. if, if is that what you want from us? I mean, if that's mm -hmm. what you want from us, then I'm, I'm sorry, it's it, it's mm -hmm. not going to happen. If we're going to dislike something, we're going to tell you we don't like it, but we're not going to be totally negative about it. We'll we'll say why we don't. You know, or why and what you know the positive aspects of it, and then why we don't like it. You know, right. we like to we like to analyze, we like right. to discuss. Right. <laughs> well, these three will. I may, I may, I may tell you it's great. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. All Fair right, enough. but it's not. It hasn't, happened yet. it hasn't happened yet. Right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. Well, let's move on here. While it hasn't been officially announced. It is rumored, and everybody's been saying it, hmm. that two major box sets will be coming out in October. One for the Beatles Revolver, the other, finally, as we've been hearing, <laughs> for John and Yoko and Elephant's Memories sometime in New York City. Not much we can say about it because we don't know what the contents will be. I mean, I think we all feel that it's really going to happen. But um, anybody want to comment on this? I mean, I could always talk about what I hope would be. Right on both box sets but we don't really know right uh, anyone I, want to say anything i'm thinking that's you know, like terrible news right <laughs> <laughs> looking for, looking forward to, I hope it's true i hope it's true <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. I mean, if I'm, I'm hoping that the, the sometime in New York City is going to follow suit with the last three uh, box sets so we can, you know, uh, enjoy it just as much as we, well, you know, <laughs> that's uh, debatable, <laughs> you know, how much you're going to enjoy this one compared to the other, the others. But, but yeah, I mean, this it's this deserves to come out just as much as the other ones deserve to come out. Uh, it's it's history. It's John again. It's John Lennon, um, and uh, I can't wait to see what kind of mixes we're gonna get uh, on that. The, you know, the Revolver one. You know, we we've we've known for a little while. Uh, George or Giles Martin has said that uh, you know that 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 Revolver or Rubber Soul would would be in the works uh, soon and, and coming out. So um, if it's both in October, well, I mean, I guess uh, we're gonna have to, uh, you know, uh, divvy up some uh, some good a good chunk of change in October. You know, actually, from what I'm loading some money, Tom. Giles was talking about the struggles of working on something like Revolver because of right. it. Being in four track and a lot of mm, instruments right. being on the same track and how do you separate them right. but with today's technology who knows what peter jackson's come up with well that's the funny thing yeah. is because maybe we'll see a special thank you in the liner notes you know to peter jackson you know i just think that no matter what you'll probably get a cd of alternate tracks hopefully more than that you'll probably get a mono cd i just don't know what more they can put into it but we'll see. Mm -hmm. And sometime in New York City is really interesting because the possibilities there, you could have the one-to-one -one con, well, yeah. there are two concerts, Right. who knows what they'll do there. Um, there are the rehearsals for the one-to-one -one concert. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got something like the John Sinclair rally. Maybe you can put something in from there. Right. Um, TV appearances from that time. You know, there's a lot you can add to a box set for sometime in New York City. And There's the potential um, for a lot of good uh, extras for that one. Yeah. And uh, I dare say in a lot of people's minds, uh, that could, could be necessary to help sell it. Yeah. Um, I personally, I mean, I, I enjoy the album myself. Uh, I recognize it's not one of John's greatest, but it might do some, some good to kind of beef it up with some enticing yeah. extras. Right, mm -hmm. right, right. And, you yeah. know, I was just thinking something like the Mike Douglas show. Oh, yeah. where, where John and Yoko co-hosted for a full week that came out on video cassette mm -hmm. a long time yeah. ago now and hasn't been available for quite a while be nice mm -hmm. to put that into something like this maybe just the performances I don't know but uh -huh. yeah I think they will need to beef it up with with uh, some extras but it will and I also I've, I've talked about this on on some other shows that uh, they also are going to, I, I fully expect in the in the book, you know, I'm sure there will be a lavish book that will come with this, right. mm. uh, that there will be essays that will put the yes. songs into context. Yes. I mean, right. It has to be. Right. Uh, because, you know, so many of the songs, I mean, you know, there will be probably, you know, generations will say, who's John Sinclair? I mean, you know, they're going to have to do that. Um, and of course, the most controversial song on the record, right. they're going to have to talk about that. Um, you know, but that's fine, because they they can put the, you know, if well written, they can put the songs in context, they can talk about where John and Yoko were at that time, where they were living, the people they were hanging with, historical mm -hmm. context. So I, I fully expect that. I, I think there will be, uh, and, and that will enhance, I think, the enjoyment of the record um, sure. if they do that. Um, I do hope there are a lot of one-to-one -one, um, concert extras. I would love that. I mm -hmm. would love that. Uh, Tom, you 
just a quick question. Would that song be more powerful if Yoko sang it rather than John? Hmm. More despised, prob probably. I mean, I don't okay. mean by me. I mean, right. generally, you know. Yeah. Get Garner more Maybe the, the point be taken more if, if a woman sang that song rather than a man. Hmm. Uh, Interesting well, thought. When you look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, a, have there been covers of that song? I mean, not to my knowledge. Not that I know of. Not by a woman, at least. Yeah. Don't know. I'd have to look that up. But I don't know how the public would have taken Yoko singing that song. They had enough trouble then, except right. her. True. Early on. And it's only in recent years when Yoko's actually gotten respect for her work and for her music. Um, obviously, there were some people who were more savvy to Yoko early on and were mm -hmm. getting what John was seeing in her. But there are plenty of people in this world that just weren't right um but that's a good question you know yeah an interesting song for a female to sing mm -hmm. yep yep and and as for revolver bring it on i can't wait <laughs> i have been dying for this so whatever they include i'm i'm just excited yeah. to have a remix deconstructions if there are outtakes available yeah bring it on well the was on the beatles anthology yeah there are some yeah, of those fantastic <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Paperback writer and rain has to be on there, I would hope. Yeah. Well. Hmm. Probably will be the way that the other box sets have been right. uh, put together. All right. Um, we finally have a release date for Julian Lennon's new album, Jude, due out September the 9th. Meantime, new videos have been made for Julian's new songs, Lucky Ones and Save Me, which you can watch and listen to on YouTube. Uh, some new books coming out. The Songs the Beatles Gave Away by Colin Hall. This book was inspired by a 2009 BBC Radio 2 documentary that Colin worked on with and for Bob Harris and his wife, Trudy Myerscoff Harris. And for this book, Colin was given permission to use interviews that Bob and Trudy conducted with the likes of Paul McCartney, George Martin, Cilla Black, Jackie Lomax, Mary Hopkin, and others. Previously, only small extracts from these interviews were made available, but now they are presented in full. And since making this documentary in 2009, Colin was able to speak with artists who weren't in the original special. To add to the book, those include Billy J. Kramer, Peter Asher, Megan Davies of the Applejacks, and John Clay of the Black Dyke Mills Brass Band. This will be published by Great Northern Books, and it's 528 pages. Mm. Wow. And uh, that's coming out a little more than a week, August the 19th. <laughs> okay. Bruce Spizer's latest, Rubber Soul to Revolver, is now available for pre-order, which you can do on his website, which is beetle.net. His book is officially coming out October the 10th. Another new book is called Abbey Road, the authorized biography of the world's most famous recording studio, written by best-selling author and music journalist David Hepworth. Amazon describes this as the story of Abbey Road as never been told before, featuring interviews with artists, producers, sound engineers, transcripts, photographs, and much more. It's described as how the first purpose-built recording studio would become a phenomenon. The first edition is due out October 6th from Bantam Press. And for all release dates for upcoming audio, video, and books, you can always check out my website because I have a page called Upcoming Releases. 
And that's at kenmichaelsradio.com. And always, always special thanks to John Bazzini for all this information. Mm -hmm. You want to know about books? He knows everything. He knows what's coming out. <laughs> he knows what was out before. Yep. Anything being re-released, he'll know about. Uh, yeah. Spe speaking of books, congratulations to Beatles author Jerry Hammack, mm. whose series of books, the Beatles right. Recording Reference Manuals, Volumes 1 through 5, have all been added to the permanent collection of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Library and Archives. Nice going there, Jerry. Amazing honor. Yes. Yeah. I've interviewed him a number of times. Yep. The information in his book is just indispensable. Uh, Mark Lewison gave an interview for the podcast Ooh. show Word in Ear. Who's that? We're always breaking these new authors in. <laughs> Mark has revealed that in October, he will be doing three shows in London at the Bloomsbury Theater. And the shows are called Evolver 62. And in it, he tells 62 short stories about the year 1962 as part of the Beatles story. Each of the short stories is about two minutes long. The show itself is broken up in two parts, each one running approximately 62 minutes. Uh, the three shows will run on October 7th for one show and two shows on October 8th. To find out more, you can look at the uh, tour's website at BeatlesEvolver.com. And you can also check out Mark's interview on that podcast, Word in Your Ear. You can also visit Mark's website, MarkLewison.com. Not only that, I just discovered that Mark has been making videos that he's posted on YouTube for this. Yes. And each one is I like a couple. Yeah, they're really nice. Um, so check them out. Just go to Evolver62 for some of these new, um, these new videos from Mark Lewison. All right, some major passings we have to talk about. First of all, there's Mo Austin. Mo was an American record executive who worked for many record companies, Verve, Warner Brothers, Reprise, and DreamWorks. He was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2003 by Paul Simon, Lorne Michaels, and Neil Young. Mo was responsible for signing the Kinks to Reprise Records and Jimi Hendrix after seeing him perform at the Monterey Pop Festival. Other impressive acts he signed were Neil Young, Paul Simon, Joni Mitchell, Fleetwood Mac, Randy Newman, The Grateful Dead, R.E.M., Madonna, Tom Petty, Talking Heads, and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mo must have formed some friendship with George Harrison, whose Dark Horse Records was distributed by Warner Brothers, as George wrote a song that was a tribute to Mo, which over the years has been bootlegged. It was first issued on a four LP set back in the days of vinyl. I have the year mixed up as either 1977 or 78 of uh, various Warner Brothers artists contributing songs as a tribute album to Mo. And uh, this was strictly a promotional item, never came out commercially. George's song was just called Mo, M-O. <laughs> and it's really a nice song with uh, typical great slide guitar work from George. It's also the shortest song title of any song. Well, Beatles are solo Beatle wise. <laughs> If you didn't know any better, you thought he'd be singing about a different Mo, but yeah. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> Behave. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> so if you want to check it out, it's on uh, YouTube. George Harrison with the song Mo. Mo. 
Okay. And uh, Mo Austin was 95. Wow. I want to make a quick wow. mention of the passing of Judith Durham. She was the lead singer of The Seekers. Even though no real Beatles connection there, if you grew up in the 60s and you loved songs like Georgie Girl, I'll Never Find Another You, A World of Our Own, great singer. And we just lost her at the age of 79. And of course, the devastating news today of Olivia Newton-John, who is, you know, for the four of us, one of our favorite female singers of all time. And uh, it's worth pointing out that early on in her career, she covered three songs that were on All Things Must Pass. She actually had a hit record with um, If Not For You, the Bob Dylan song. But interestingly, she did the song the way the George arranged it. And the song actually went to number 25, her first top 40 hit in the US. And it was a number seven hit in the UK. She also covered What Is Life, which was a number 16 hit in the UK and um, made it to number 34 here on the adult contemporary charts. And on her album, Olivia, she covered Behind That Locked Door. Three songs there from All Things Must Pass. Um, not only that, Tom was telling me um, The Long and Winding Road. She Long and Winding Road as well, yep. Right before, uh, I believe it was the album before Greece. Okay. And there's actually a video that you can find on YouTube of her performing here, there, and everywhere. It says it's from Bandstand. Hmm. So I'm guessing it's American Bandstand. I'm not sure. Great voice, as always, doing that song, but so many classic songs through the years, so many great memories we have of Olivia Newton-John. 73 years old, she's battled cancer. She, she, she first had it in 92. 92. 92. 92. 30 years there. Yeah. And, um, you know, she was great at um, trying to encourage other cancer victims to fight this. And uh, she will be sorely missed. Uh, she's, I know it's cliche to say it, she's part of my DNA one of my favorite singers ever. And um, I loved her big hits. I loved her lesser hits, <laughs> you know? And I loved her in Greece, like many of you have. So um, another kind of Beatle connection um, during the Grammys, there what was the Grammys or the American Music Awards where it was Paul Simon and John Lennon presenting the award um, for was it, it was the, the Grammys? Best, yeah, it was the Grammys for best pop vocal yeah. or something like that, and um, and it was she ended up winning uh, the uh, the award, but mm -hmm. instead of uh, her, she wasn't there. Instead, uh, Art Garfunkel uh, picked up yeah. the award. Uh, I think that's for, for I Paul Simon. And, yeah, for honest, yeah. I honestly love you. Yeah, so you know it was a pretty funny moment uh, there. So it was uh, Andy Williams, John Lennon, and Paul Simon up on really? stage yeah. at once. Yeah, yeah. Wow, but, uh, she was a talent, and uh, you know, I'll definitely miss her. Yeah, and, she was a part of a big part of my childhood. I mean, my my friends and I. I mean, we all just looked up to her. I mean, she she just, you know, she had such talent, the class. Uh, you know, I mean, she could she could do it all. I mean, you know, in, in, in filming, she could dance. She could just do everything. And uh, um, I I mean, I played totally hot physical the greatest hits album i mean that was the and uh, oh and and yeah. uh, two of a kind that's a, a kind. that soundtrack yeah. i mean i played those albums till they were worn out i mean mm. you know and and i just uh um 
yeah, I just feel, and, and uh, oh, and of course, Xanadu, you know, the yeah. Xanadu soundtrack. Uh-huh. Uh, how could I forget? And, um, and you know, just, uh, you know, she was just such a big part of, of my childhood. I, I just uh, loved her music and, um, you know, it's just hard to believe, you know, that, that she's gone. And uh, I'm, I'm just so glad that I grew up in that era Absolutely. You know, with, with that. Yeah. I mean, really with that, with that great, great music and, uh, and I mean, Greece, my gosh, that's, I mean, who doesn't love that movie? Who didn't, you know, who, who, who doesn't consider that a part of their DNA? I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a classic. So and boy, is she going to be missed. People have memorized every line from Greece the way they've memorized the Hard Day's Night. For some That's people. right. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. But for me, I don't. I don't know if I remember hearing "If Not for You," but "Once Let Me Be There" was a hit. I was a fan. I loved her voice from that moment on, and especially her '70s stuff and her later stuff too. Hey, look, yep. "Physical" was number one for ten weeks. Yeah, that was a huge, huge hit. Monster. Monster. Most number one uh, song of the uh, of the '80s, right? I mean, that song, that single was number one more or, or consecutively, or most more 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 weeks than any other artist had a number one hit. I believe it was ten weeks, right? So I don't think any other artist had a, a bigger hit. You know, even when Michael Jackson was was king of the world, I mean, his yeah. he didn't have a single that lasted number one as long as you know physical was. For the 80s, yeah. Yeah. I remember yeah. You Light Up My Life was number one for 10 yeah. weeks, but that's a few years before that. For right. right. Yeah. All right. So that's that's all the news I got. All right. Well, uh, as we said, we're talking about uh, George Harrison live in Japan there from uh, the release was in 1992. The tour, 12-day uh, tour or 12-date 12, 12 tour, I should say, uh, was in December of 1991. So it was a pretty fairly quick turnaround for the uh for the live album um like i said it was 12 dates so the first second third fifth sixth ninth 10th 11th 12th 14th 15th and 17th of december of 91 um great band right uh he had eric clapton and his band uh the musicians include including eric clapton uh andy fairweather low nathan east uh steve perone ray cooper who you know great percussionist i mean most one of the most well-known musicians on the planet i think <laughs> you yeah. know um chuck level uh great Greg uh, Filigenes, I think how you pronounce it, and then two wonderful background singers, uh, Katie uh, Kison and, and Tessa uh, Niles, uh, who, do, who did a wonderful job uh, backing singers. Um, as we get into this, um, I want to talk about your your first reactions to this uh, live album. It was uh, what 17 years since um, the uh, '74 tour, which we didn't really get. We didn't get any uh live album from this so besides the cons for bangladesh i mean we really didn't know george live as a solo artist um and well we did get uh, him at the uh, the princess trust concert i think that was in 87 yeah. Yeah. but this was like a full-blown i shouldn't say full-blown tour but uh a tour nonetheless and um it kind of took me a surprise because you know unlike some of you i wasn't really reading beetle fan or or getting any of the news like that so it was a really surprise to me when i saw its release and i was like oh this is great because it's just you know uh, you know george uh, cloud nine traveling wilburys 
best of dark horse the volume three and then you know this and i mean it was just a great time to be a george harrison fan so i'd love to get uh, your guys as initial uh, initial uh, uh reaction to this and we'll start with uh, joe well um i remember going to a store i'm going to mention titus oaks which is not around anymore and i mentioned it because it's been coming up in conversations with people from my area and uh that's my last visit i remember there you know going to buy the new george harrison live cd by that time i was really into cds and they they had really taken over for the time so i got my first copy on the cd and uh i think it's funny first of all that i couldn't i couldn't find it again because the, just like gontropo which i've often talked about the cover of gontropo had been really hard to, to see George on it, you know? And mm. I remember the cover, as you've shown, it's a black cover. Right. And yeah. you would never be able to see an image of George's face unless you were looking for it. Right. And uh, they have, a, a you know, an outline of him and everything. But So that's the first thing. Uh, anyway, as far as the, the material when I first heard it, I was just thrilled the idea that we had a George Harrison live album um also because you know I, i'd never seen him alive and i was hoping by this that this was just him dipping his toe in the water right to get more familiar and comfortable and that he would do a full-blown tour uh, you know the u.s and everywhere else you know um but listening to the the album itself um i i like the set list very much then i you know this is the kind of thing like if I was going to see George, I'd like him to do for the first time that ever seeing him. That is, I, I didn't see him. Unlike Ken, I didn't see him at the, the 74 tour. Uh, this is exactly the kind of set list I would have liked. I would have liked a lot of Beatles and uh, some, you know, popular solo songs. Whereas uh, we, we talk about this with Paul McCartney. Now we were so spoiled. It's the opposite. You know, right. I wish we had a chance to get spoiled by George. I wish it was to the point where I was saying, come on, can't you do Simply Shady? You know, I'm tired of, I'm tired of hearing Taxman all the time. Can you do something else? Can you do like a consciousness rules or something? I really, right. I don't want to hear uh, Old Brown Shoe again. But uh, I, uh, it's funny because I, I appreciate it, but I didn't think it was a very strong album. To tell you the truth, I still don't think it's very strong, but we'll talk about that later. I did give it another listen because it had been a very long time. Long, long, long time. <laughs> there we go. There we go. <laughs> Since I last played it. And I was almost going to rely just on my memory of it. But I said, let me give it another listen. Um, but at first, I was happy to have it. Very grateful to have it. Liked the choice of songs. And George was out there again, but I, you know, I thought it was kind of, you know, I don't know, just kind of there in a way. It was hmm. kind of there, and uh, it didn't chart in the UK at all. No, which is a shock to me. Yeah. And uh, what is it? One twenty-six. Yep, you're in the on Billboard in the U.S. Wow, out of two hundred, that's yeah. I would have thought it would do better, but better. I don't recall there being a lot of promotion for it. I don't remember that much. either. Remember any? The same thing yeah. with Gontrapo. Hmm. But that's, you know, the Cloud Nine was a different story, thankfully, and the Wilburys. But 
And that's my first encounter okay. with live in Japan. Okay. Mm. Kids, we'll go next with you next. Yep. Uh, I don't remember where I bought it, um, but uh, I do remember uh, being excited about it uh, because, hey, new release from George Harrison. Great, you know, and uh, and the fact that uh, that it was a live album uh, was exciting because, you know, we hadn't had that before um, and that Eric Clapton was was playing backup on it. I mean, right. I mean gets even better. <laughs> and so uh, and I was pretty I remember being pretty excited to not only have, you know, all of his, you know, well-known uh you know, solo and, and some of his Beatles uh, it hits live, but then to have some of the Cloud Nine stuff, uh, you know, played live. I was really excited about that too, because of course, you know, it wasn't that long after Cloud Nine right. came out. And so finally a chance to hear what that stuff would sound like live. Um, and so I, I remember being, you know, pretty excited uh, when I heard about it uh, coming out. And so, uh, um, and so, yeah, my, my initial um, reaction was, I mean, I, I did enjoy it, but, and, and as Joseph will talk about this a bit more in just a few minutes, um, but I, I thought it sounded a little stiffer than what I expected, like the, um, you know, maybe it was the recording and certainly, and, and I know this is, because of the you know the audience and the in the Japanese culture, I mean they're you know it's they're more uh, you know restrained and and you know they're not going to get up and scream. I mean it's you know they're a much more reserved audience. So in between, you just heard you know I mean they were enjoying it, but I mean it was just polite applause in between, and you didn't hear like any or very little you know crowd interaction. Uh, with within right. the song and so it sounded you know the, the energy wasn't as much as I was expecting let, let me put it that way um so I remembered thinking that thinking oh you know I thought this was going to be a little more yeah. energetic mm -hmm. than than uh than it is a little but, sterile that's a word yes I would yes sterile <laughs> yeah just... Yes, I think that absolutely. That's a that's a good way to put it. Um, so I I was I do remember feeling a little disappointed there, but um, but on the other hand, I just thought, hey, at least we have, you know, we have a live album. Is now you know we can hear right. some live versions of of so many of these these great songs and and you know and bonus cheer down. I right. mean, you know, yeah, we get yeah. that here, that live. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, you know, now I'm so glad we have that, um, you know, because we, now we now know what maybe it's for would have sounded like if right. uh, if he had uh, done it. So, you know, glad we have it. Um, but uh, and uh, initially, as I said, it was right. an exciting release. But, yeah, amazing that it wasn't promoted more. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Before, you know, um, Ken, before we get to your John Harris interview and, um, you know, what, you know, gave us a great uh, story as to why maybe, you know, it wasn't as, you know, energetic as we would have liked, um, which, you know, uh, you, you conducted a great interview uh, there, Ken, but let's, let's get your first impressions on the, on the album when you first got it. Also, 
tell the story if people didn't hear your interview where you actually did have the opportunity to go see this 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 show but you know not to bring up a sour a sour subject but <laughs> well you know our friend charles rosenay um apart from doing annual trips to england beetle trips to england set up a whole trip for i think it was probably 10 days to two weeks to japan while this tour was going on and he had tickets to three of the concerts mm. in i think it was the first 10 rows wow. and only because of the fact that i do remember hearing at the time right or wrong that this was going to be a warm-up you know for a world tour uh, yeah that's why i didn't go you know <laughs> i thought he was going to come to the united states had he come right. here definitely i would have went Sure. And now I could kick myself. You know, <laughs> wow, that's a toughie. How could we have known? Um, no. And he, Charles put together a fantastic package. And even if all you did was see one show, that would have been a thrill. But three shows. Anyone that went on that trip got to see George and Eric and this terrific band. Right. Times. So, yeah, uh, I'm always reminded of that whenever I listen to any of the music from Live in Japan. But... Um, I got to tell you, in many ways, with the exception of Wings Over America, I'm not a big live album person. Right. I don't listen to live albums nearly as much as studio albums. I don't know why that is. You know, sometimes part of the thrill is that, you know, seeing the artist visually is so much more exciting than just listening to a live performance, even though the Beatles are great live performers. But um, on the one hand, I was thrilled that we had any live album. From George Harrison. We didn't get one from the 74 tour um, for various reasons, and maybe that'll be corrected. Uh, but just the fact that we had any documentation, any recordings of any of these songs live from George was great. Right. Cloud Nine stuff. He went deeper into his Beatles material. Um, I was really surprised that half of the show was right. Beatles songs. Yeah, especially coming from him. Although, you know, you never know with George. One minute he's talking about, you know, the light that has lighted the world. And, <laughs> you know, I'm grateful to anyone that see that I've changed and all that. And he's not Beatle George. He's not looking back at the past. And then he does when we was fab, <laughs> you know, so he's hearkening back to the past there and, you know, having fun with it. Or in Ding Dong Ding Dong when he's got, you know, Sergeant Pepper uniform on there. But, um, you know, on the one hand, I was a little bit disappointed that there was too much Beatles, but then at the same time saying, this is cool. We got Taxman on here, a live version of Taxman. We yeah. got Old Brown Shoe, you know. I did think Piggies was a very odd choice <laughs> <laughs> of all the songs that he wrote with, with, with the Beatles. But um, And then I had the same kind of impression as many of you did, that the recordings themselves weren't as exciting as I felt they should have been and when i did this this interview with john harris who mixed the album and worked on it with george himself he explained why that was mm -hmm. and this interview which i did just a few months ago i think is just very revealing about the whole process of working with george mm -hmm. and so you want me to talk about that now yeah go ahead because you know being very surprising how George just wanted a more low-key tempo, uh, you know, audience yeah, reaction. Very, yeah. 
shocking. Don't blame right? John, don't blame John Harris. That's, that's right. what I got. Yes, <laughs> that's the main the main thing. Right. And by the way, uh, when this is over, I will put a link to the interview in the com or in the description. If you're listening to this, um, uh, the podcast version of this, it will also be in the description there. Yeah. Okay. For those of you that don't know, John Harris has spent uh, most of his career. He's been involved with live broadcasts of, of concerts, not studio recordings from, from artists. He's mainly involved with live shows. And he got to work with George really because he worked on Eric Clapton's 24 Nights. So um, he was, and he is a huge Beatle fan. Right. He looked at this as being the biggest honor working with George here. And um, he actually spent some time, he, he was there for most of the concerts. He told me that about seven or eight of them were recorded. He went back to Friar Park after the, um, the tour ended with George. He spent a few days there going through all the digital tapes that they had of the concerts, picking um, the best performances. And then he went to a recording studio called The Mill, which was actually bought by Jimmy Page. Right. Um, and um, George's instructions, really, he was more concerned about capturing the performance getting all the musicians, making sure that you heard them all, that it was the proper blend. And John Harris wanted more of an ambience of, of a live show mm -hmm. with the excitement of the crowd. And George didn't want that. He wanted it to sound more like an intimate performance, like it's in a small club. And that's exactly what it sounds like. So because of that, if you're listening for the first time, you may not feel as excited about it. You know, it may sound more like a sound check to you. <laughs> and I hate saying that considering the fact you've got these stellar musicians backing up George Harrison. The performances are really good, but it doesn't sound like an excited recording because you don't have people screaming in the background or, and the applause, some of the applause in between the tracks were actually edited, were put in by John Harris. Yeah. So, you know, the recordings sound that way because John was taking George's instructions. Right. You know, George apparently was very attuned to making sure that every, every musician was sure. heard. Right. Sometimes when you're listening to the harmonies, you can hear everybody in the harmonies. Um, he cared more about that than, you know, presenting like most live albums, what they sound like, you know? Um, and that's why it sounds the way that it does. So I think it shocks a lot of people the first time they hear it. But if you just concentrate on the performance and not, you know, that this is in a, a stadium, <clears throat> a stadium or a big arena, sometimes you need that. Sometimes it makes you more excited when you hear people in the audience applauding. Yeah, absolutely. The other shocking thing, the other shocking thing about this tour was it wasn't professionally filmed. Um, um, you know, you, you mentioned it, you know, Ken, uh, with, with, uh, with, with John that, you know, you've got, you know, two of the so-called, you know, greatest guitarists of all time, right. And on one, on one bill, one stage. And why wouldn't you want to, you know, film that unless, you know, they thought that this was just a warm up to, you know, what was supposedly coming, um, you know, so you know, maybe get the kinks out first uh, and then, you know, film 
you know, what could have been, you know, a, an American tour. Yeah, I noticed yeah. that part too, excuse yeah. me, of, when he yeah, uh, was listening to the interview uh, with, with John and he was saying that, but I thought they said something about some basic cameras in the place. He, he thought that in, in, in one of the um, venues, they probably had cameras that are already built in. Right. Yeah. Built in. Probably the videos that were released in the Dark Horse box set. Yeah, I was going to say. The four videos are probably from that. Yeah. Yep. I keep hearing over and over there was never any professionally shot video of, right. of this tour. And, um, you know, it may always be a mystery, you know, unless Olivia answers this or Danny or somebody really close to George, what his intentions were. Did he really think about doing more after this? I did ask John Harris this question because I told him, my understanding was this was going to be the start of the world tour. And right. he, said he never heard that. Right. You know? Which is weird because I, I don't remember if was, I was reading this or watching a, an interview with George where he was saying that he was ready for a more hostile uh, audience, uh -huh. you know, mean, meaning the, the U.S., you know, so it's, you know, seeing and, and, and hearing, you know, this from him, uh, you know, so and then he, watching your interview with John Harris, that's kind of surprising that there was no uh, further talk of, of doing, you know, expanding the tour. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I hear different stories. Right. I'm only going to tell you what John said here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it's it's difficult to know. I did ask John, what was his general mood? Did he really enjoy doing this? Mm -hmm. And he said in the very beginning, he really did. You know, maybe towards the end, he didn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. All I do know is that, and sometimes the audio doesn't capture what the video can. Sometimes you might think that, the performance isn't as good from George vocally or something. And then I'm watching these videos. I'm watching Taxman. Oh, he's having a ball on that. And he sounds fantastic. Yeah. He looks happy. He really yeah. does look happy in at least the, the four videos that came with that box set. So um, it's hard to know. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Along, I watched those four videos before the show and also some you know interview footage over the, the the period with George and he was saying something to the effect of he actually which I was kind of surprised likes playing live mm -hmm. or whatever under the, maybe under the right circumstances or something right. he, like he, right. he was enjoying it a little bit I don't know if it wore off as as the time went on this might have right. been during the press conference mm. uh in Japan if I'm not mistaken with the footage, you know, and when I watched those songs, I actually wound up watching Taxman last. I think that they put it on last, you know, George, to me and other songs that he's doing, and I have forget what they all are. I had the list, uh, devil's radio mm. on, on camera. I'm talking about, you mm. know, uh, devil's radio cheer down cloud nine and Taxman. Yeah. Uh, the other three songs, he seems to be really concentrating, serious, really yeah. concentrating on, yes. especially on Cheer Down, mm -hmm. trying to get the slide guitar down right. right and everything. But when he does Tax Man, boy, he really is into it and smiling. And, and, and I love when he gets like that, which he did, as we know, when he was playing with Carl Perkins. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and that's when he really just like a little kid again, having a great time. And that it kind of inspired him to get back out there again. And I think Olivia said that was 
one of the happiest, if not the happiest, that right. he mm-hmm. that, that, oh, that, that she'd seen him that night or something. I think it's when he doesn't have the pressure of leading the band. I think that's when you see him most, more or less enjoying himself. I mean, I, I, to me, he looked like he was enjoying himself for the Bob Dylan uh, tribute. It looked like you know right. again with the Carl Perkins, and then you know some of this where he doesn't have the pressure of. He doesn't have to play every solo, right? He doesn't right. have to, you know, play every rhythm section. You know, he's yeah, got yeah. two other guitar players. So I think the pressure of that was off a little bit um, during that. So I mean, again, I mean, Ken, you you'd mentioned his voice. You know, you know, and, you know, on, I think his tax man, he sounded really good. I mean, I, I think some par- parts he does sound good. I think some other stuff maybe a, a little iffy. But yeah, again, you know, hopefully this would have been, you know, a warm up to, you know, to more of a, a you know, expansion of the tour. Um, you know, my kind of take is like this too is, you know, little things like um, Eric adds a, a pretty good guitar solo uh, in I Want to Tell You, which was a nice a- addition to that. Um, you know, it was while my guitar gently weeps with clapping, oh. sometimes a hit or miss, you know, mm-hmm. it's, this like, one. Yeah. Um, it's not terrible. I think it's better than his performance on the cons for Bangladesh. Um, you know, and obviously I don't think it's, it, it, it would top the, uh, I think he did a great job on the concert for George as well. But, yeah. uh, I like the guitar. Excuse me. Let me clarify. Right. I like the guitar. It right. was the Shuby sh- the Duop. Now, see, yeah, I was going to add that, was gonna that? Add oh that too. That's so, what brought you know. me. <laughs> well, you got these backup singers. You got to give them something to do. Right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to go into all the songs or some of the songs, but I did like the backup singers, female right. singers. Yeah, I think they, they did. added yeah. a lot yeah, to they a added lot of the songs. They did. But, but there, oh, wow. Dark right. Horse. Dark Horse. Uh, sounded really good. Uh, yes, better vocal than the original, and the female backing vocals that were added, I liked right. a live version of Dark right. Horse. Right, and we should also add on the very first show he did do "Fish on the Sand" and "Love Comes to Everyone" as well, which was a damn oh, shame. Yeah, he didn't. They um, right, and rehearse and for rehearsals, he, they, he said George prepared a list of thirty-five tracks for performance considerations. Other songs uh, included. Uh, let me see here. Um, uh, let me see here. Uh, you know, isn't it well on their rocking chair, which was what the rocking chair in uh, Hawaii. Hawaii. That would imagine that tired of midnight blue was under consideration. Hong Ooh. Kong blues. Um, let's see here. Where darkness was under was under consideration. That's the way it goes. I think would have been a lovely uh, track for him to do live. So so quite a few songs there. Which you know this this guitar can't keep from crying as well was was considered so um, it it is funny how all those shows are you know after that were relatively the same it's kind of surprising that he didn't maybe you know switch a song here or there uh, throughout the show or I mean throughout the tour kind of like what Paul will do every once in a while he'll take you know maybe two or three tracks and and rotate them you know every other or every third you know show let me yeah. let me toss this this question out to you guys and and to our viewers as well um what did you think of i want to tell you as the kickoff song i i loved it i i, I just wanted to say something because I, I i'm notorious for saying it. it's not a personal favorite of mine that's right mm-hmm. but i love it as an opening number i thought it really worked worked well you know uh, that's my feeling on it 
And that's when you hear the really hear the crowd is right at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. You know I wonder I mean? if that was added in because I was a part I, I made it in the notes. I like when the crowd reacts right. to the lead solo. Mm -hmm. Oh, you hear that lead, when you when you hear Clapton playing guitar, you hear the audience kind of comes you know, get in there. Right. I wonder if right. that was put in, like Ken was saying, mm -hmm. enhanced later or not. I don't know. Right. Uh, right. If I get to interview John a second time, I'll make sure I bring right. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's interesting what you said there, Tom, because just having those other song titles for consideration made you realize that George put some thought into this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. And not only that, but it reminds me in the 74 tour, the first show he did, which was in Vancouver, he actually performed Who Can See It. Mm. Wow. That's the mm. only time he ever did the song live. He never oh, did wow. it the rest of the tour. So just like that in Japan, right. Fish on the Sand, which he did the first two shows, actually. And okay. Local to Everyone was the first mm. show. Okay. But yeah. He's, he's, I guess he's testing it out, seeing testing waters which songs work really well. Right. I, I love who can see it, but I, but wow, that's that's got to yeah. be a real challenge live. Yeah, heard um, him, I heard right. him, his voice doing that, and I thought he sounded great. Yeah, and that's a very hard song to sing. Another cool thing too was the addition of the uh, the extra uh, chorus for or verse for piggies. Yeah, uh, on here as as well. Yeah. You know, everywhere there's lots of piggies playing piggy pranks. You can see them uh, on their trotters <laughs> at their piggy banks, uh, paying piggy thanks to uh, to the uh, pig brother. So uh, yeah, the uh, added verse there was, uh, and it's funny too because you wouldn't think that he. Well, I mean, he's the writer of the song. You know, but it's just funny because, you know, these people, you know, their their memories go after a while. Right. And it's, it's just hilarious that he would remember this extra verse, you know, and then to put it in there, <laughs> you know, but on that, on that note, for, for that, uh, what, though. what about tax man? Because yeah. I mean, I want to get yeah. that in because I my yeah, favorite track is tax of these is tax man. OK, I love I love the arrangement, a different kind of, you know, faster version of it and there are different lyrics in there as well as well right right and tax man as well yeah. yeah yeah you know i don't know if he just made them up for the for the for, the, for this or he always had them uh, i don't know if you mm -hmm. uh, if you have a pet i'll i'll tax your cat, cat uh, your right head, your hat. <laughs> yeah he had some fun it was right. great things too but he also like updated it because mm -hmm. I can't make out everything that he's saying and with the right. Mr. Bush he says yeah he said something about Bush yeah he said the girls say that yeah he's referring yeah. to the first president bush yeah yes <laughs> of course yes yeah. yeah um going back to peggy's i i just wanted to add i love when you know when the the whole band comes in and and everything you really hear the monty python-esque kind of qualities <laughs> oh, I, I that really came right. through good, in good that point. i love that they're yeah. really eating it up it sounds like I do yeah right. yep Absolutely. Um, yeah, and this this really did leave me wanting more, you know, because without the Eric Clapton stuff in here, you know, 19 songs. I mean, yeah, that's that's fine. It's good. But it did did leave me wanting more. And then plus, you know, the stuff that Eric did do uh, what badge, you know, and that's that's a collaboration between George. You would figure that they would do that, you know, together. And unfortunately, you know, that wasn't to be. Yeah. I must say, Mark Zut Zutkoff in the comments giving us a lot of information. Yeah. Yeah. Saying the, uh, um, let's see, uh, the lyrics appear in I, the I Me mean Mind book. Mind book. So yeah. That's where I got the piggies. Probably go one back right away. Yeah. 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 The piggies of extra verses in there. Matter of fact, I'm looking at it right now. So uh, uh, Boris um, Yeltsin is one of the names. 
and then mm. he sings in Taxman along with Mr. Bush or the right. girl. That's what the what the female backup singers. Yeah. Kit, did you have any extra other, any other tracks that you really uh, that you dug on this uh, on the set? Absolutely. Um, I loved uh, the. Uh, this version of Dark Horse. In fact, uh, our buddy Andy is watching right now, and he mentioned this earlier. Hello, Sandy Nichols. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Thank you for it's joining us, Sandy. Joke. Inside joke. Inside it's an inside joke. joke. It's an inside joke. <laughs> inside joke. Um, <laughs> you guys carry on. I love you. you guys carry on. Andy, Andy pointed out that... Um, that uh yeah and i completely agree i love this version of dark horse uh this got an enthusiastic um audience reaction too at the very beginning that that really uh you know they really recognized that um and uh you know he's a really really good voice there um and uh you know and another uh a place where the backup singers i thought the you know forget one my guitar gently weeps most of the time the backup singers did a really nice job um i i thought uh love the version of cloud nine on mm. this i thought that that it That's really nice. cooked on this love the guitar interplay um you know i think george and, and eric uh were were uh you know doing some nice guitar work with the both of them uh wish the horns were a little higher in the mix but other than that um you know i just of course think it you sounds, do which of course i do <laughs> joe Since you know horns. joe and me we're we're yeah. all about the horns you know right. and yes. i wish it were a little higher but other than that um <laughs> i i think it's even i love it i think it's even better than than the studio version i i just think it really um comes alive here um and uh let's see what else here uh love the addition of rollover beethoven i thought that was a fun uh way to end it um mm. you know fun hearing george of course go back to his roots um right. and, and some really hot piano playing on that too i don't know um if that was uh if that was chuck uh a, a level on that i'm not mm -hmm. sure but uh that was just uh uh really great i love that you know really like hard playing uh piano we of course this was just talk about a dream backup <laughs> band i mean the right. best of the best uh like on i want to tell you and we, we mentioned uh you mentioned uh nathan east uh earlier ken this uh, mm. bass playing and i want to tell you it's uh, mm. really nice uh really nice and and i want to tell you is another highlight uh, from this as well so really um you know, even though it may not be as energetic and, and this is it, that was, you know, the, the recording decisions were George's. Um, still, you know, there are some really great versions and boys, you listen to this, you just think, if only I, you know, I could have seen this live. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Oh. What, do you all, what do you all think of something? I, I mean, I like well, the, yeah. the guitar. The intro. Right, like. right. That was and, interesting. Uh, tribute to Frank Sinatra. <laughs> oh Stick yes, Jack. 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 Right. He's kind of, isn't he? Kind of like mocking Sinatra right. a little bit because didn't Sinatra say that? I thought it was like Sinatra sang when he sang something. Sinatra said, "Stick around, Jack." Mm. So I thought George was like paying yeah. tribute or or mocking it, possibly, mm. probably mocking a little. But go ahead, Ken. You know, it's, I'm sure he's he's proud of the fact that right. that Frank loved the song enough to perform right. it. <laughs> right. That's an honor to itself. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the, the, the something bit is is interesting too because once they get to the you know you're asking me and it's eric and george you know harmonizing that together it was yeah, very yeah. reminiscent of of paul and george doing it at the concert for uh, I mean, yeah. the concert for george but uh ken what are your thoughts uh, yeah, I love the whole performance of something. I love how it starts with that guitar solo and it's they bring it back at the end. I also, as far as I want to tell you, that is a great guitar lick to start off a concert with. Mm -hmm. I think it was an ideal choice, you know, and right. it's kind of like you, you could start a concert with what is life, too, for that matter, mm -hmm. you know, with a, you know, yeah, is, pronounces yourself so well like that. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. Uh, and the other standouts for you, Ken? Highlights for me is hearing Cheer Down going into Devil's Radio. Ah, yes. really yeah. Strong. Right. And um, hearing George play the slide on Cheer Down, watching him do it in the video, which um, is a real treat, just like playing the slide on, on um, Cloud Nine as well. Mm. Um, and I think Old Brown Shoe really cooks as a live song that's that's yeah. one that you know i, I like clapton joining in on the vo on vocals here and there yes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah it's that's one that i i've really grown to appreciate more than i ever have is um old brown shoe especially seeing the beatles rehearse it during get back um you know it's uh, and at the concert for george it was a you know right. a great moment there but um yeah, I mean, in terms of performance, I now like the album so much more than I did when I first listened to it. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. I also, yeah. because of the fact that I have my radio show, I'm always mixing in music from right all the solo stuff. So I'm never far away from this music anyway. But, you know, it doesn't have the excitement of other live albums. But in terms of performance, it's done really well. Yeah. The only the only real criticism that I would make about this is that there are times when George is singing along with the background singers and his voice is not hotter than the others. Right. There are those moments like that when no matter what, George should be above the others vocally. Yeah. Mm. That's how I feel. And it's kind of like he's a little bit buried at times. Right. Um, but other than that, I, I, I like the mix. And and who can argue this band? Right. True. But I, I will say one of my slight criticisms might be the drumming, um, because it's I feel certain songs like uh, Here Comes the Sun and, and something we're so used to hearing, you know, Ringo doing his particular, you know, drumming on those songs. And it's just more of a natural band style drumming, in my in my opinion. And it's just not as, you know, as exciting. Uh, to me but again he, fantastic drummer i'm not putting him down all i'm just saying is, is, is that you're just so used to hearing it a certain way mm. you know that when you hear it somebody else do it sometimes it just doesn't have that same uh you know the power that you you know you're used to it you're used that's, to hearing that that's a good point i really noticed that on got my mind set on you that's mm, where i yeah. really really heard it i felt okay. i really missed mm the the powerful you know the the reverb right. on on jeff lynn's right. production you know it just didn't sound the same live. right and that was another point too from jeff harris right he said george was like absolutely no reverb yeah on, on this on this record <laughs> yeah true so yeah but you also don't want this to be like you know, i i understand what you're gonna say no. i totally 
sound exactly like the Beatles. Right. No, well, and, and you don't want it. everything to sound like a carbon copy of the studio right. version. Exactly. I get that. Yeah. I, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, fine, let's get some uh, any more comments on this, and or do we want to uh, any more last thoughts about uh, anything else we'll want to bring up uh, about it? Uh, let's see. Well, Mark uh, Zuckoff said, good point here, that I want to tell you was the opening song at the concert for George as well. Oh, <laughs> I forgot yeah. that. Right. There you go. That is very true. Uh, and he also pointed out the horns on um, Claude 9 may not have been live. They may have been a synthesizer. Right. So right. I, I figured they were. Because you don't so, have credits for anybody playing so no horns. horns. So, right. okay, so that explains the lack of... Uh, of uh, the prominence in the mix so okay um let's see and then um yeah um uh mark and uh rust 63 point out about the little dig and that uh that george took on uh, something uh um, right. about uh <laughs> sick around jack <laughs> um uh, let's see um there's one other thing too real quick was uh, yeah. the album uh Produced by Spike and Nelson uh, Wilbury, which, if I, if my research is correct, it's the same person, George Harrison. <laughs> so yeah. it's. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of comical as as well. Uh, Christian Dahl said, "Yeah, if George continued to tour with Clapton, he would have sold out big stadiums." Oh. I, I think it. Yeah, I mean, I think Don't they would have done quite well. Yes. Didn't John say that those uh, those uh, arenas or stadiums in in Japan were were fairly big? Yeah, I believe they were enormous. Yeah, yeah. You know, also George did give an interview to Scott Muni at mm -hmm. WNEW when Live in Japan came out, and Scott asked him, "What are the chances of you playing in America?" Mm -hmm. And he said, I'd only do it if I had a new album to promote. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's why at the time he didn't have a new album. Maybe that's why he didn't continue. I don't know. Could be any number of reasons. Yeah. Well, I also wonder if, if him doing this tour in Japan were due to his financial woes, too, with the handmade films uh, situation. Yes, um, a commenter pointed that out. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, somebody pointed that out. Okay. can't find it now but yes somebody somebody did mention that um yeah our friend susan hello susan gagney said uh uh smart to start out with a beatles song to kick off like, yes that's probably true because you know of course everybody is familiar with the with the beatles how, for, obviously so you know, how about mentioning that, that, that i mean i don't think it was a great version but that george did all those years ago Mm -hmm. Which is like I, acknowledging John. Yeah, mm -hmm. I thought that was a good version. I mean, not yeah. you know, like dramatically different than the original, of course. But I like the fact that the second disc or the second half of the show, if you want to call it, was a little bit more solo heavy, uh, and then the first half was maybe a little bit more uh, Beatle heavy. Uh, even though you had you know solo and Beatle stuff on both sides, it just seemed like there was more Beatles on on the first, and then uh, more solo on the on the second. Oh, uh, I like Mike, the fact yeah. that they did, oh, isn't it a pity? Right. Yes. Right. Very good choice. Such, such right. a uh, Mike, uh, Mike Nari said, John Harris is a legend and such a sweet, nice guy. So, yeah. He certainly, if you, if you watch the interview, he's so low-key. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's so laid back. The, uh, the, story, the story he told about him taking the guitar off 
and oh, trying oh, to play yeah, day that. tripper and then asking George if this is if I'm doing it right. <laughs> George seemed to get right into it, no problem. Right. <laughs> oh, that was That's fantastic. Yep. And then so, him and then him turn, you know, when Paul's playing Blackbird, he's going like this, <laughs> trying to uh, see how his fingers were were uh, were playing the song, making sure he was doing it right on that one too. I mean, that's a fan, you know. I mean, that's so cool to hear stuff like that. Yeah. Well, that really was a chancy taking the guitar down like yeah. that, yeah. and George didn't seem didn't seem to mind at all, right? No, apparently, and there was this one room where. George had loads of guitars. I think he said 25 guitars on the wall. Mm -hmm. and, he, and John picked the one that he used in Let It Be, the Telecaster, Redwood Telecaster. Okay. He started to play, and, and George wasn't in the room yet, I think. He was right. trying he to right. play Day Trip when he walked in. He says, is this how it goes? <laughs> but he actually took his arms and right. wrapped them around John. He was from the back of John, and then he's playing the guitar while John is holding it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, even more of a thrill, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm listening to that story, and I'm going, and as he's telling it, I'm going, this could go either way. <laughs> George might, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't well, know Gringo, like leave them drums alone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say I would have liked to have been in his place. <laughs> For yeah, many that's, reasons, <laughs> that's, a, that's a great little that's a great little tidbit. Those are the kind of little tidbits I like hearing. Oh, that's, little yeah, anecdotes, minutia. That uh, yeah. that's great to hear. Yeah, uh, as I said, folks, I will put the link to this interview in the description after this is over. You definitely want to watch this interview. It's it's fascinating. It really is. And uh, just one more comment. Scott O said, "I read somewhere it's all too much was considered." It's, it's also that's also in here as well. Is it's it? all too much as as, as well as don't Encore. bother. What is it's encore? Was, it's all too yeah. much. Yeah, as well as "Don't Bother Me" was was under consideration. Wow. Well, that would have been think, interesting. As much as I love that for, song, love that song. I don't think someone was ever fond for of someone that it. said that was a miserable little song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe and, for historical reasons. Yeah. Ken, the one that you mentioned while we were doing, uh, while we were visiting your side at Neck of the Woods uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Awaiting on, on You All was also under consideration. Hmm. Well, at least yeah, he did that cool. at uh, the concert for Bangladesh. So. Yeah, absolutely. So where do we, you know, I'm not trying to put any pressure on you guys, but as a live album, was, was this would be one that you would recommend? Uh, to you know, where would you put this in the live albums of 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 the four? Uh, is this something that um, you know? Is this a must-have for George Harrison fans, or what do you guys well, think, Joe? I, it's a must-have in the sense that it, it's all you have, right? <laughs> yeah. George, really. Um, but you know, I think it's it's a, a good album. It's a live album. I'm, I'm, I can say it. I've never been a big live album fan either. I don't know mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. I usually prefer studio best. But um, yeah, this this is a good representation of, of George. You know, some you know Cloud Nine stuff that was big for him. That big album and Beatles Nuggets here and there. Uh, I you know I I don't think it was. Uh, as we think we kind of agree on best realized because um, I think John Harris's hands were tied a little bit and, you know, yeah. George wanted a certain sound and you didn't get that. I don't know what you call it. You said ambiance uh, right. or some kind of big arena theater sound. It, you, 
sounds intimate and quiet. I think that's kind of like hurts it a little bit. But overall, I like it better now than I did when I first heard it 30 years ago. Can't believe it's 30 years ago. And and now we treasure it because at the time we you know we didn't know we were going right. to lose George right. so young, and uh, it's really a treasure now to have it. You know I think mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, yeah, I think it could have been better. Mm-hmm. Could have been uh, much worse. I think it's a pretty decent representation. Okay, very good. Ken, final thoughts. Yeah. May I echo those words, Joe? Um, <laughs> Sounds familiar. <laughs> May I echo really, those words, Mrs. Kind of the same thing. This is the only live album, except for the concert for Bangladesh. Right. right that yeah. You have from right, right. And so it's nice to have any of these songs done live as a release. You got to have something. And, um, you know, it's it, as the years have gone on, I appreciate live in Japan more because the performance is really good. Um, I'm still hoping that the Harrison family puts out something from the 74 tour, regardless of what you've heard about George's voice being hoarse and everything. And you may be able to doctor things up a little bit, boost his vocals up or do something to make those, those performances sound better. There's any number of things you can do with today. Peter Jackson will, will will clean up all those uh, dark horse, uh, Peter, Peter. <laughs> calling he'll, Peter he'll, Jackson. Yeah, he'll, he'll improve his vocals. <laughs> right. Peter Jackson, we need you for everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but really, um, for historical reasons, I say the same thing about John. There's so few live performances of John that you really have to appreciate what you got and look at it as being very precious. Same thing with the one-to-one concerts. They're not, I mean, I like many of the performances of one-to-one, you got to treasure them. You don't have much beyond that. So I think it's absolutely essential to have something like Live in Japan. And I do hope, like I said, the 74 tour, that there's something from that. And um, th- that's it. I think it's still a very good live album, although it's not as exciting. It doesn't give you the same excitement of most yeah. live albums. Yeah. You know, I still, you know, nothing tops Wings Over America for me f- from, you know, from the four Beatles, as far as that's concerned, you know, it's it's not the excitement of Frampton Comes Alive or any great really live album, but in terms of the performance and you got Eric Clapton there too, and you got all these other great musicians, you gotta have it for that reason as a document of, of its time. I, I yes, definitely, I to, oh, go ahead. Can, can, can I just add something that I, that I don't wanna forget? I almost did. <laughs> I, I really, would wish that the Harrisons would think about putting out some kind of document on this documentary. Uh, now, they, of course, they say these shows were not recorded properly, but we have the four performances, Devil's Radio, Cheer Down, Taxman, Cloud Nine. Makes me wonder if there are others like that in the same quality. Those are were certainly serviceable, good enough, especially if you do it in the context of a documentary where you have press conference, you know, just a lot of footage I've seen, you know, elsewhere hmm. back there of George and Eric, you know, arriving in Japan, the fanfare, sitting down and being interviewed at the press conference, put songs in there, whatever you have. Maybe there's other, I would have to think there are more than just these four songs. And one last thing that we hadn't talked about yet, the Royal Albert Hall performance. Yeah. 
I've seen, which I think was early 92 uh, into 90. Yeah. Early 92. That was the show right. did for the Maharishi. Oh, right. Yeah, that's another, yeah. another good political uh, party, the Green Party. And as far as I know, I think it's the same set list right. as what um, he did in Live in Japan, but it wasn't with Eric Clapton. Right. Gary you know, there for that. Um, so that'd be nice. I don't know if that was reported professionally. Right. I, I've seen a nice copy, of, a nice copy of it. I mean, not if I remember right, not professional in the sense of different angles. Hmm. It's, maybe it's it's a straight on kind of thing, but I mean, if you you know the same kind of thing with Shea Stadium, Beatles fans have been clamoring for a Shea Stadium release. Right. I I still think they could make a nice one like that too. Shea Stadium, the Beatles when they you know they're in the helicopter, they're overlooking the city, they're arriving, they're in the dugout. You have the hmm. warm up bands before them and talk. You could do do a nice hour, hour and a half presentation. I think the same thing. There could be a documentary of George Harrison live in Japan. A, a documentary, if not a straight concert. Right. I, I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I, I do respect Ken, what um, you know, when John, John Harris was talking about how George wanted to make sure everybody was heard on this record. Mm. And I, I, I do respect that. Um, you know, maybe not, you know, everything could have been, maybe a few things maybe could have been, you know, different, but it, I, I, I think, you know, George really loves musicians. And I think he loves, especially loves talented musicians that he's been surrounded himself for yeah. decades, um, you know, and just to show that respect to them uh, is very commendable. I, I just think that's, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, Kit, your final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, point, definitely point taken on that. Cause you do hear, the, the musicians very clearly on this absolutely um but despite you know despite the flaws i mean despite it you know having a little bit of a sterile kind of sound and not being quite as you know exciting uh as you said ken wings over america is probably still the best solo live album um definitely though i think this is a must for george fans i mean it is other than bangladesh uh the only live recording the only time you're going to hear any of cloud nine live right. only time you're going to hear cheer down live i mean it's it the list goes on and on um and there are really stellar performances uh, on, on this so and and with a just not only your clapton but just the cream of the crop when it comes to uh you know studio musicians and mm. and uh so you really really can't go wrong getting this album great i i agree with all of you it is uh an essential to to own uh for for harrison fans um you know, and, and Beatle fans as well, because like we said there, I mean, half of the set list is, is Beatles stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're never going to hear Piggies live anywhere else, right? I mean, this, and you know, it was also, was it this kind of, would you say, difficult to get for a while even? For a while. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I don't think it was like, I mean, it was a wide release, but I mean, it did, didn't stick around long. I mean, no. if you if you didn't get it, you know, within like a year or two of its release, you, you, you were probably lurking, looking for, you know, at used record stores and, or stuff like that to, to find it. Because, yeah, I do remember it being, you know, hard to find for a while up until the we got the uh, the best of Dark Horse uh, uh, box. Right. So, yeah, I, I do would, would agree with that, Joe. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I can't relate to that because I always have to get it as soon as it's out. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, for us, and it's I, different. Yeah, <laughs> for other people, right. yeah. For, for yeah. Now you, you know. have no excuse. It's, it's right. Nice, exactly. You know, it's, it's out there. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Okay. So now for the the uh, the bathroom break part of the show, where we tell you all what's new with us and where to find oh. us. Oh no. <laughs> um, just well, but, but go oh, ahead. No. But yeah. no, very important announcement. So don't oh, go on your bathroom break. We yet. forgot to do that. I'm sorry. No, no, kid. don't worry about it. No, no. Yeah. So don't go on your bathroom breaks yet. Very, very important announcement. I kind of teased it uh, in the uh, Facebook event and and all about the show. So um, as you guys probably know, um, the Fest for Beetle fans Chicago is coming up this weekend. Uh, August 12th through the 14th, uh, Talk More Talk is going to have a panel there. Now, unfortunately, Tom, uh, Ken, and Joe are not going to be at the fest. I'm really going to miss you guys. I wish you were going to be there. But they are going to be there kind of in a way. Um, <laughs> and I'll explain explain how. Holograms. Um, yeah, holograms. <laughs> how did you? Ah, you spoiled it. Um, and words, We're going bowling. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh no okay i better i better keep talking before before this uh, goes into a honeymooners bit so um that george harrison album is too sterile oh, <laughs> oh my goodness so but you guys whether you're going to be at the fest this weekend in person or not can be a part of this panel okay so uh first of all we are going to be doing this uh, Saturday the 13th at 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Central. If you are going to be at the Fed, the Hyatt Regency, and it's actually in Rosemont, Illinois, um, we will be in the McCarran Room. Uh, this will make sense if you're going to be there. We will be next to the Eric Cash Art Room. You know, Eric Cash's great artwork. Uh, our room is going to be the podcast room. It's going to be next to that. Um, Ken Womack, which we like to call the fifth fifth beetle of Talk More Talk, uh, is going to be at this fest, and he's going to be uh, co-hosting this with me. We are going to do a fest version of Wreck Our Brains, and we are going to welcome two very special guests, uh, two wonderful authors, they're good friends of all of ours, uh, Piers Hemmingson, who wrote The Beatles in Canada. Um, he is the authority on uh, the Beatles, uh, you know, their, their records that were released there, the variations, um, you know, everything there is to know. And Chuck Gunderson, who is the authority on the Beatles tours, uh, their, their North American tours. He wrote the books, uh, like the, there's a two volume book uh, set called Some Fun Tonight. Um, and uh, if you want to know anything about the tours, you ask him. <laughs> and they are going to be playing with us. And so you guys can either come to the session and be a part of the show. We will be recording it for later broadcast. Or if you can't be there, you can send questions to us. All you need to do is email them um, to us at talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. Just make sure uh, you put uh, Rack Our Brains questions in the subject heading so we know what they are. Tom is going to compile the questions for me and send them to me in time for the panel. But you have to send them by this Friday, mm. uh, the 12th. 
Otherwise, I won't be able to get them. So, um, you know, and, and so, and then we, you know, Tom will sort them uh, for me and we'll get to as many as we can. We only get an hour. So, right. uh, so we may not be able to get to all of them. And hopefully we'll be able to take a couple from the live audience too. So, uh, so we need to, you know, have you send your questions and you just might get them uh, on the air. Uh, somebody asked if it's going to be streamed. I don't know. Um, I think there is a virtual streaming option when you go to the uh, to the fest website. Yeah, I I think so. I think it'll be streamed, so it'll be uh, two o'clock Eastern on Saturday. Um, if it isn't, don't worry, we are recording it. So <laughs> if it won't be streamed, don't worry, you'll be able to you know, we'll upload it uh, at some point on our channel. So go ahead and send your questions. Remember, not trivia. This is all opinion based. Hmm. So we're really looking forward to it. And of course, these three gentlemen have are sending me questions as well. Hmm. I will for sure be reading theirs. So <laughs> that's when I say they are going to be there. So in, in, in a way, so I will be reading their questions as well. So it should be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, you guys know how Rack Our Brains works. Uh, it'll be a good time. Excellent. Thank you, Kit, for sharing that. And why don't we let you just keep on talking? And tell us about... <laughs> no, I'll say we'll give you a break. We'll give you a break here and we'll go to Joe. Joe, what do you got coming up, my friend? I was trying to think of some while Kit was talking because I don't have anything. This is going to be a very short restroom break if you're use, if you're going. Um, I recently did a video, another FabGab video where I had uh, Kit was... Uh, with me on there, one of my guests. It was a Fab Gab show. We talked about the Deco auditions, and we, while we were at it, talking about the, the sessions and all the history, we decided to rank the tracks of the Deco auditions from our least favorite to our most favorite, which is an it was a very interesting video. I thought I think it made an interesting show. To tell you, it was truth. a blast. It was and, so fun. Uh, yeah. So that's over there on my Mean Mr. Mayo channel on YouTube. Uh, you just gotta if you hit the playlists sometimes you do playlists you can find all kinds of things like the fab gap series all lined up that's the easiest way to access it the show was only done ah, six or seven videos ago something like that so wow you can find it. it's one of the more recent videos mm -hmm. also uh this is not just me i was on ken michael's radio show as were really? as were the, the rest of us were all we could all use this we had another it's like talk more talk light <laughs> like or talk more like talk heavy how's that Make it heavier 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 heavy talk metal. more talk heavier where we were discussing we were doing our uh, should have been singles should have would have could have solo class. song from the 70s, the decade of the 70s, um, it, it could have, should have been singles, maybe. In our mm. And I had a great time doing it. And thanks for having me, Ken. Yep, you so all Ken Michaels, 10 songs each. Mm -hmm. 10, um, 10 yeah. songs each, we all fought. Yep. Ken Michaels Radio mm -hmm. on YouTube. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was so fun. It's too bad that you three were wrong, but uh, I mean that was all right. I mean, <laughs> hey, as I say, you have every right to be wrong. To be wrong. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, Ken, why don't we go to you next? Okay, well, as Joe just mentioned, there's that new video with the four of us, <laughs> and I also want to mention that um, a while back, the four of us did another show with oh, the exact right. same idea. It's actually show number forty-eight. 
we went back to the 60s and we all picked songs that we thought should have been singles and, and by the way this is in the u.s only because it's different in every country right. gets confusing trying to keep track of what were singles you know in every european country for example but we kept it strictly the u.s from 1964 through 1970 through the beatles chart run songs that you you thought should have been singles that could have been hits we're not necessarily asking for your favorites you can have favorite songs that would not have worked well as singles you know i know that tom wanted you know my name to be an a-side yes. <laughs> but i don't think that would have been a big hit but um these were all songs that if you knew am radio if you listened back then or in this case the newer show the 70s what might have worked as a single or as i like to say what where did the beatles miss the boat mm. you know as far as right. certain songs that really could have been hits and and they weren't released as singles at all and there were some solo beatle albums where there were no singles or only one single and you're saying how is that possible anyway so that's my latest show that's at ken michaels radio please subscribe to that i'm almost at a thousand subscribers right. now folks please try to get to a thousand and um then there's my other podcast show things we said today we just did an interview with madeline Bacaro. i know joe also interviewed her on his channel and she is the author of in your mind the infinite universe of yoko ono all talking about yoko's life before john during john after john and it's really riveting interview she knows her stuff about yoko yes and does. um i'm gonna Very have impressive. her on my channel soon in addition yeah, if you're to interested to yeah here in my interview with madeline was also the, the fab gab ahead of the deco auditions one okay show before so you should do a fab gab with her of you know her favorite least favorite songs from <laughs> a approximately infinite universe right there you go <laughs> you know rank those that's songs an that, that's an idea that's yeah that would be an interesting idea or maybe the first album Ooh. you might be the first person to do that on the internet yeah. yep there you go and also i did an interview with owen ling who has a brand new book out with George Harrison in the 70s. We're going to be interviewing him yes. on this show very soon. Yes. But um, I thought that since I haven't finished reading the book yet, I'm almost done. I thought that I would do a real quick show and talk about two Paul McCartney songs that we defend that has been, you know, ridiculed by the press. And um, I picked We All Stand Together and Mary Had a Little Lamb. So we talk about those two songs and defend them. And I know Owen's written articles on those songs too. Mm-hmm. What happened to you there, Joe? Yeah, what was that? <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you went back to listen to Mary Had a Little Lamb. Lamb. A few seconds. So that's on my uh, YouTube channel. My other podcast show, uh, Things We Said Today, like I said, interview with Madeline Baccaro. We have a new show coming out next week we're talking about doing a show on revolver because of um the anniversary for that and don't forget my website kenmichaelsradio.com beatles triv every week lots of archival audio interviews with beetle people and um lots of stuff right there on the website great excellent you'll have a new trivia tonight did you say or uh, yes i will and it will be something that we talked about in the show tonight here interesting okay 
Excellent. Okay, Kit, let's go back to you. Talk about how they can uh, reach us again. Remind them the email and then uh, what do you got going on? Because I know you are really busy right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you can reach us, uh, of course, uh, right here on our YouTube page. Please subscribe. Uh, we have a, uh, got a bunch of new subscribers lately. So uh, if that is one of you, welcome. And uh, thank you for subscribing. And uh, please tell, tell your friends. And uh, you can also, of course, hear us on virtually any YouTube platform uh, you, or YouTube podcasting platform you can think of. You can uh, also um, uh, reach us via our website, uh, talkmoretalk.com. Um, and you can email us and uh, a viewer mentioned in the comments, and I will do this, I will put our email in the description uh, when we're done so that uh, you can send uh, those uh, questions, those uh, rack our brains questions to us. And again, talk more solo talk at gmail.com. Um, and as always, we also welcome your feedback, um, ideas <laughs> for future shows. Um, we, you can follow us on Twitter at TalkMoreTalk1, the number one. Um, and also you can find us on Facebook, Talk More Talk, uh, Solo Beatles video cast. Uh, and you can also hear us at on uh, fab4radio.com. Um, thanks to our buddy Beetle Ed, who carries many of our shows on his page as well. So, uh, so I think thank those you. are all the places. Yes, thank you very much. And those are all the places that you can find us. Now, um, I'm not going to mention every single panel that I'm going to be on because uh, oh we'd be God. here for a long time uh, because I'm on about seven panels. <laughs> oh my God. Come on, girl. Yeah, I, I somehow got myself onto seven panels. Um, and so I'm going to be on uh, four on Saturday, including ours, um, and two on Sunday. And then the one on Friday is the Meet the Authors panel at 515. So that that one is yeah, with just all the different authors. So, um, but I will mention, and I, I'll probably either do a video mentioning all the different panels I'm on, or I'll post information on my Facebook page, maybe our um, uh, YouTube page and, and that kind of thing. But I will mention one of the panels on Sunday is actually kind of a crossover panel involving Talk More Talk. Um, it's going to be uh, with Talk More Talk, Ed Chen from When They Was Fab, and Andy Nichols from Two Legs. We're going to be doing a sort of uh, triple crossover i guess you could say um and that's going to be i'm just double checking the time here sunday at i believe it's yeah 2 30. uh 2 30 in that same room i mentioned the mccarran room we will be recording that too Ooh, and uh so if you can't see it on streaming uh or anything you know we will we will be recording it uh so that's 3 30 east of uh, eastern time 2.30 Central um, in the same podcasting room. We are going to be talking about Beatles documentaries. You know, we mm. found ourselves kind of reminiscing, you know, talking about Get Back. And we started talking about like the complete Beatles and anthology. Yeah. And then started going even further back. And then, you know, just talking about, you know, Beatles first U.S. visit and just all different things. And so we thought, hey, let's do a panel about this. And so that's what we're going to, to do is kind of go back to even, you know, the 70s into the 80s, 90s, and then ending up with Get Back and talking about how, you know, 
how these documentaries changed over the years, which ones are better, you know, that kind of thing. So we're really excited about it. Um, and in fact, on When They Was Fab on Wednesday, I believe Ed is dropping an episode where Andy and I appear and we talk a bit about this oh, panel. Cool. So if you want to find out more about it, uh, just check out the When They Was Fab uh, Facebook page. Uh, there'll be a link to it and I'll post one on my page as well. So, um, and I, of course, I'll have a, a table there, and uh, uh, we'll be there sell a lot out? on Saturday. And I hope, sell I'll out, sell right? I hope I'll be a sellout again. <laughs> <laughs> Never be happier to be a sellout. Right. <laughs> I so I hope to see. Show, uh, hope to see. Right, what? Should do a show right after you finish your seventh panel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and thank God we're not doing a show the Monday after the fest, or I would just be <laughs> like, yeah, whatever you guys say, fine. Right. <laughs> so, wow. but hope to see you guys uh, there. I hope uh, so a lot of you will be coming to the fest, or if you're not, I hope to see you virtually. Great. Well, thank you very much, Kit. Uh, as far as uh, my other show, Two Legs, we've been, you know, again, bu busy as always. We're going to continue our, our our Wednesday summer live series here um, this Wednesday, um, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we usually chat for about an hour, hour, 20 minutes or, or so, and uh, we've been having a great time uh, with that. Our last uh, episode was uh, with, uh, again, uh, Chip Manninger and Mark Easter, where we uh, just highlighted the year 1975. Um, so check that out on the Two Legs, uh, Two Legs podcast YouTube channel. Um, this coming Saturday was, was, a, was a really fun episode to record, and it's with uh, Andy's dad, John Nichols, which uh, we talk about, uh, you know, first generation, his him, you know, experiencing the Beatles, and then right into the solo Beatles. And we talked a lot about the criticism of Ram and, and his experience and his thoughts um, as, as those, uh, uh, you know, early solo albums were coming out. So it was really cool to get the fan perspective and, and matching it with the, the critics perspective. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun to do that. Uh, and then we also coming up, we'll have author John Blaney. Now, don't get confused this with uh, Kit's uh, book, but this is the songs he was singing, which yeah. is a four-part uh, book series, which uh, it just talks about just about every release Paul did in from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and the knots, uh, if you want to call it that. Um, really good information here. You get to see the labels, every release uh, that he did, and the, the wealth of knowledge in there is, is phenomenal. So uh, we're going to have him on the show in a couple weeks as well. So uh, yeah, so check us out, uh, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast on YouTube. Again, and also check us out on Talk More Talk, the YouTube channel. Please subscribe, Ken Michaels, uh, me, Mr. Mayo's channel. Thank you all for your support. Uh, we, we've, you know, we're having a blast getting to meet you know a lot of you and, and and you know have conversations with you about uh about all of our topics that we do on our show so again we want to thank you uh very much um so uh uh we'll end this and um for kits ken joe i just want to say um thank you beans for your support and your friendship and thank you olivia for your wonderful music and uh you both will be missed so, so long, everyone.
Woo! <laughs>